I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 461 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, today I am joined by the 45th governor of the great state of Wisconsin. Governor Scott Walker is my guest on today's podcast. Governor Walker is currently the president of Young America's Foundation, or YAF. Scott Walker was the governor of Wisconsin from 2011 to 2019, serving two terms. Now, as the president of YAF, Governor Walker launched what is called the long game. It seeks to help instill a new sentiment in the hearts of young Americans, one based on freedom and the values that made America great in the first place. Governor Walker threw his hat in the ring to run for president of the United States back in 2016. He was one of the front runners to become the Republican nominee, which eventually went to Donald Trump. It's an honor for me to have Governor Walker on the podcast today. Scott Walker will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Governor Walker was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation between the governor and myself, please get over there and hit me with a subscribe. First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Okay, and I do understand that today's episode may not be for everybody. Governor Walker's team reached out and asked if I would consider having him as a guest on First Class Fatherhood, and I was really flattered and honored at the opportunity. I have interviewed Democrats on this podcast as well, such as former Nebraska Senator Bob Kerry. I am always interested in hearing both sides of what has become just a toxic political atmosphere in our country here. Uh, So no matter what side of the aisle you are on, I hope that you would listen to today's episode with an open mind and really just listen as a father or a parent. I truly believe that if we strengthen our family units in this country, uh, we will strengthen our nation overall. So if you enjoyed today's episode and you like what Governor Walker has to say, you may be interested in listening to my interviews with America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, former Congressman Sean Duffy, and quite a few others that are available in the archives of the podcast. If you guys enjoy listening to the podcast here, please hit me with a rating or review on iTunes. That always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. I'm going to be right back with Governor Scott Walker. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, where are you buying the meat that nourishes you and your family? I used to get mine at the supermarket, but now, thanks to Belcampo, it comes straight to my door, and it's far better and healthier than what I was used to. And thanks to my new partnership with Belcampo, First Class Fatherhood listeners can now benefit as well. Grass-fed and pasture-raised meats like Belcampo have five amazing benefits for your health compared to conventional meats. Healthy fats, omega-3s, antioxidants, minerals, and yes, more omegas. Belcampo animals grow more slowly as nature intended. This is a difference you can both see and taste. And I'm telling you right now, guys, once you try it, you'll make the switch just like I did. Hey, it's your family, dads. Give them the nutritious meats that they deserve. And if you order right now, you can save 20% off your first order. Go to belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood. That's B-E-L-C-A-M-P-O.com forward slash fatherhood. And use the promo code fatherhood to save 20% off your first order. All right, guys, and the way Belcampo raises its animals isn't only better for your health, it has a positive impact on the environment as well. Go visit belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood, use that promo code fatherhood, and save 20% off your first order. A gift for first-time customers from First Class Fatherhood. 
Joining me now, First Class Father and the 45th Governor of the great state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. All right, let's start it just like this here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Uh, two boys, Matt and Alex, 26 and 25. They're a year, a month, and a day apart. Very cool. Yeah, my, I have four myself. My two older are 15 months apart, so I know a little bit about that. Uh, governor, I'd like to jump right into this here. Uh, what were some of the challenges or difficulties for you uh, of being the governor of Wisconsin while being a dad? <laughs> well, you know, 10 years ago, my kids were still in high school. So when I was first elected, uh, probably the biggest challenge was within a month, I had uh, first hundreds, then thousands, then tens of thousands of protesters around the state capitol. They eventually came to my home. Uh, Tonette and I raised our two boys in Wauwatosa, which is a suburb of Milwaukee. And so even when I became governor, we kept them in school there, which was a godsend because in the midst of all the protest, uh, thankfully, even though they were a government-run school, high school, Wauwatosa East, uh, they at least had their circle of friends. Uh, our parents uh, uh, moved in. Uh, their grandparents moved into our home. Tonette and I would come home every night from the Capitol. It was about an hour's drive. And so uh, it was probably a little bit more chaotic than it would normally be with family life. But we kept them as normal as it could be in their home with their friends. They were active in sports and scouts and uh, music and all sorts of stuff like that throughout their time in school. And that was really a great counterbalance to all the chaos, including some days uh, when they couldn't even come home because there were that many protesters surrounding the house uh, until later in the day. Wow, incredible stuff. I can't even begin to imagine what that must be like, especially with your family there and everything you had going on. So along this journey that you've had here, Governor, about how old were you when you first became a dad and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Yeah, the uh, I was, uh, when I met my wife, my wife was a widow. She had not had children, but uh, she was a widow when we first were dating. And I knew the first night I dated her, I'd marry her. It took her a few months later to figure that out and, and, and go along with that as well. But we were married when I was 25. We had our firstborn, Matthew, at 26. Uh, part of the reason why his name is Matthew is in Hebrew. Uh, that means a gift from God. And uh, he was our gift because, like I said, she had been a widow, didn't know if she'd be married again, let alone have children. Uh, and then we were blessed a second time just, uh, just uh, a month and a day after the year after. And uh, totally changes your life. In fact, we still have both of their ultrasound pictures uh, because even more before they were born, <clears throat> I remember particularly with Matthew, um, Tonette and I were both pro-life before this, but the image of our, our firstborn uh, in the ultrasound was turned on his side. It was a profile. You could see his hand out and his his, uh, his thumb was in his mouth. And uh, it was just such a vivid reminder about uh, what a gift he was from God and, and how that was a baby, an unborn baby, and certainly affirmed our belief in being pro-life. But it changes everything. You know, all of our friends today uh, overwhelmingly are people that we got to know when our kids were little. Uh, in fact, a group of us, the moms, were all in the Moms in Touch, a prayer group uh, from kindergarten on. And uh, we've stayed friends some 20 years later, uh, even as our kids have grown on and, and moved on. And, and uh, now we're all graduated from college and uh, in the workforce in their own right. 
Yeah, very cool. Yeah, my wife actually started a uh, MOPS, Mothers of Preschooler uh, chapter over here by us when our kids were younger. So I know a little bit about how, how that works. And it's a great organization in itself for moms of young preschoolers to stay connected. Now, you're the president of Young America's Foundation. What can you tell the listeners about that? What is this whole uh, long game plan? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, if people want to know the details, yf.org slash long game, that tells about uh, where we're headed going forward. But as a dad, it actually fitted well. Ten years ago, uh, Tonette and I had our first chance to go out to the Reagan Ranch out in California. That's owned and operated by uh, Young America's Foundation. And uh, it uh, actually was purchased from the Reagans back some 20-plus years ago when they were going to sell it off. It would have been a shame to see that be divided up into some sort of a development. And instead, the ranch is exactly the way the President First Lady kept it. Uh, you get to see uh, a lot about uh, uh, the library. We often said tells you about the Reagan administration. The ranch tells you about the man. And when we came 10 years ago, it was a great inspiration because we saw that Ronald Reagan back in the day got all sorts of grief and attacks from many in the media and many in his political opponents. And yet he persevered and did the right thing. That really opened our eyes to the work that YAF was doing. Both of our kids, when they got uh, into college a few years later, uh, got involved. One of them in particular, our firstborn Matthew, actually brought Steve Forbes on campus through uh, a partnership and funding from YF. Uh, so that directly influenced our kids' ability uh, to be active in college and to understand that they weren't alone, that there were other students uh, who uh, believed in America, who, who were patriotic, who loved the country, who believed in freedom and free enterprise and opportunity and all the things that have made this country uh, so exceptional. And that's what really Young America's Foundation does. It's focused on freedom, uh, promoting free enterprise, uh, strong traditional values, national defense, uh, individual liberties. And uh, that's why I was drawn to it, because I've been up in those battles myself uh, over the last decade. And now I know what our students are going through, many of whom feel like they're under siege, not only on campus, but in culture and even in censorship from big tech. Yeah, obviously we see that going on everywhere, Governor. I had Dinesh D'Souza on the podcast here with his daughter, Danielle. Both of them are, are Dartmouth University alumni, and they told about the major differences about conservatives being on campus when he went as opposed to when she went. I've had guys on the podcast here, Eric Trump, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and I just got destroyed on social media for having them. And it seems like this stuff only mm -hmm. goes one way when it comes to the cancellation uh, side of this thing. Well, that's part of the problem our students face, and we've seen this for decades. It goes all the way back to the 1960s when there's been a concerted effort to try and change things. And I'll give you a good example of the impact it's having. Uh, we have a tip line that students give us information we look into. Oftentimes, it's because they feel canceled or even sometimes their free speech rights are, are outright uh, offended or, or not offended, but they're objecting to their free speech uh, on campus, which is in the Constitution, but it should particularly be revered and supported on a college campus. But this tip line goes beyond just free speech uh, violations. Uh, we had, about a month ago, we found in Ames, Iowa, the, the local uh, campus there, which is Iowa State, some of the students told us about something not just in the college campus, but happening literally uh, in the local school district, the Ames Public School District, uh, where they had a, what was called a BLM uh, week of action. It was at the start of Black History Month. Nothing wrong with Black History Month, but what they did with this BLM week of action had little or nothing to do with black history. 
it was all about indoctrination. And they started as early as kindergarten, went all the way through 12th grade, where they gave these kindergartners uh, coloring pages about transgender and told them uh, that they could make their mind up about their sex. In the curriculum for uh, older uh, students, they actually talked about uh, the idea that fathers didn't need to be a part of a, a traditional family, that it was okay not to have a father in the family. <clears throat> and I thought, boy, this is such radical indoctrination so early on, and it flies completely in the face of, forget about politics, uh, but just about everything that we see, the data overwhelmingly shows uh, that fathers need to be a strong part of the household, ideally a two-parent household, but fathers in particular need to be a part of a strong household. And that's not only a moral issue, a moral imperative. Uh, the data, I know the Brookings Institute, for example, shows that if you graduate, get a job, and wait till you're at least in your 20s and married before you have children, the data overwhelmingly shows uh, that the, the people who do that uh, are not going to live a life of poverty. No matter who they are, no matter where they come from, the data overwhelmingly shows that to be true. So this just is a good example of not only is it a moral threat uh, to our society, uh, but it flies in the face of science and all the data that's out there as well. And so we expose that. We push back on that. We're making sure that it doesn't happen anywhere else in Iowa or, for that matter, anywhere else across the country. But it's it's not in New York City. It's not in San Francisco. It was happening in Ames, Iowa, which is, a, I think, a pretty good reminder as to this cancel culture uh, is really about blocking out kind of traditional values and traditional ideas of what the family is and trying to put in place, in its place, some pretty radical ideas. And again, that's part of the reason why we're pushing a long game and encourage not only uh, students, but parents who are concerned to go, again, yaf.org slash long game to find out more what we're doing to combat this. Yeah, I love that, Governor. I'm going to drop a link in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can get over there and tap it out and find out more of what you're about. Listen, I talk on this show all the time about the fatherless crisis that we're facing in our country right here. And, you know, it's not to take away anything from the moms that are out there, the single moms that are out there working miracles. I always have to make that disclaimer. But if you want to, if you showed me a neighborhood that's got high teenage uh, crime rate, high teenage pregnancy, high teenage suicide. I'm going to show you a neighborhood that's got a high number of fatherless households. It's really a, a pandemic in our country. And if we could just tighten up our nuclear family units and bring some God back into focus here, I think most of the problems we have in our country uh, would really start to dissolve quickly here. Oh, absolutely. And this is why parents and grandparents, uh, uh, other concerned family members are reaching out uh, trying to get young people the support that they need, uh, not just to not be canceled out, but to be supported in life. I think back of both of my parents, my father and my mother. My dad was a preacher. He's with the Lord now. My mom's still alive. Uh, but I just think about the two of them, as busy as my dad was, as involved in things as he was, he and my mother never missed any of my my athletic events, I was in track and football and basketball, played Little League, did scouts, did all sorts of activities. They went to every single one of those things. Even as grandparents, they never missed my kids' activities. I know even when I was running for governor, I did the same. I, I, uh, I remember one of the nights I had a debate on a Friday night and, and got out, ran out the door and got to my kids' football game uh, to watch them play because that was just such a priority. And I particularly remember... Uh, you know, when my I said my sons are just a year apart, when Matthew, our firstborn, went off to college, 
uh, and Alex was finishing off his senior year, I'd come home each night from the Capitol, make that hour plus trek to get back home, and uh, would make sure I'd done all my business, literally put my phone away, and would just go sit with him. Uh, sometimes it was maybe just watching, you know, some goofy cartoon or a late night rerun, uh, but something to spend time with him and let him know that as busy as I was, my number one responsibility was being his father uh, and being with him, particularly when sometimes he just needed to talk. And uh, th- there's just nothing more fulfilling uh, than, being a, than, than being a parent, in this case, being a father in my case. I love it. Uh, the only other thing I'm looking more forward to is someday when my kids get married and, and hopefully, God willing, they give me the blessing of having grandchildren. Because from what I hear, uh, that's pretty amazing as well. Yeah, I'm in no hurry to get there myself. I'm sure it'll be fantastic when the time comes. But uh, what about as far as discipline goes here, Governor? What type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? All right, dads, if we learned anything this last year, it's that building health and immunity is more important than ever. And that all begins with what you put on your plate. Belcampo is on a mission to revolutionize the meat industry for the well-being of people, the planet, and animals by farming meat the right way with certified humane, regenerative, and climate-positive practices, which means it's better for you, the planet, and the animals. That's a trifecta that I'm proud to be a part of, and right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can have Belcampo sustainably raised meats delivered right to your door using my promo code FATHERHOOD at belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood and get 20% off your first order. Go visit belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood, use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout, and save 20% off your first order at Belcampo. All right, dads, my pillow has got so much more to offer than just the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. But don't just take my word for it. Here's my wife to tell you her favorite product from my pillow. Honey, what is it? Well, I love all the my pillow products, from the robe to the towels. But my absolute favorite, hands down product, is the my pillow mattress topper on our king size bed. I have the best sleep since owning that topper. It's like sleeping at a spa resort, and I can't wait to sleep on it tonight. And I look forward to seeing you there tonight. And let me tell you something right now, guys. Happy wife, happy life. And this mattress topper has been a game changer for me. That's a guarantee. And speaking of guarantees, all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? First Class Fatherhood listeners can now save up to 66% off. That's right, up to 66% off your order using my promo code FATHERHOOD. Visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD to save up to 66% off or use the 800 number. That's 1-800-875-0219, 1-800-875-0219, and your savings will be applied instantly. Visit MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and save up to 66% off your order at MyPillow. As far as discipline goes here, Governor, what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad, and is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? No, I think it was pretty similar. I mean, for us, I I even say it, even with things I do now, even things I did as governor, I I said this last year, particularly with the, uh, the global pandemic, one of the big mistakes I think a lot of leaders made, particularly at the state and local level, is they rushed out to tell people what to do instead of telling them why they need to do that. And, and why I say that ties in with kids, particularly when your kids are teenagers, uh, I tried to be very clear that I, yeah, obviously when they're little, you just tell them what they got to do. But, but as they grew older and you know could think more and understand things, I always went out of my way 
uh, in terms of my expectations to explain why things were important, not just what. So for example, uh, when both my kids, I got two boys as mentioned, uh, first started dating, uh, more than just the birds and the bees, I taught them about respect. Uh, I stressed that word over and over again. In fact, both of them on their first dates, I text them about a half an hour into the dip, into their date, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, because I wanted them, I, I knew, I, I know what any young man, no matter what area you're from, there, you know, there's just hormones that go on in the whole bit. And, and so uh, it wasn't just teaching them, uh, uh, like I said, about the birds and the bees. It was teaching them to respect everyone, but particularly uh, the young woman they might be on a date with. And I thought if you respect someone, then all the other crazy things that we worry about uh, are, are either not going to happen or at least less likely to happen. And I think that was really important. Tonette and I, uh, through our teachings, through the Bible, through church, through the things we talked about, and the way we tried to live our lives, probably was the best example, uh, the best teaching moment for them was to see how I, I respected their mother, my wife, uh, and how uh, the same was true with my grandmother and my, my, my father uh, and his respect for her. Really important for kids to see that from their father, how they respect their mother, how they respect their grandmother, how they respect the other women in their life, and how they respect people they interact with. Uh, and and I, we just had you know, no boundary, or no, no uh, limits as to how far we would go to push the importance of respect. And if they violated that respect, uh, not just with our household, but with, with other people, there were serious consequences with that, uh, just as there was in my household when I was a kid. Yeah, very well said, Governor. Yeah, and you know, one of the things when I was a kid growing up, like we see, you know, what's happened over the last year here with some of the riots and stuff like that. You, you if I was to ever throw a brick through a window, I, I would hope that the police got me before my father would, because there would be some severe consequences for me. And I think if the kids don't have that type of, um, you know, discipline or that type of parent threat hanging over them. I think they're kind of running free and running loose and not worried about the consequences as much. So uh, I, I think that's is particularly where the father role comes in. And also you say they're about dating. My oldest is 15. He's not into the dating scene yet. I'm just on the onset here. Uh, but I drive Uber on the weekends. And just recently I had this um, these uh, couple that were on a date night and they had two stops on the Uber. I dropped her off first. So she gets out of the car and, and she walks up to the door and I ask him, hey, you want me to wait till she gets inside? He goes, oh, yeah, that would be nice. Uh, so she gets in and then we start driving away and I ask him like, you know, just kind of curious, did it ever occur to you to, to, to get out and walk her to the door? Or is that just something like in the generation, uh, that they don't do anymore? So it was kind of caught me off guard to say, Hey, I better make sure I get on my son here. Uh, cause I would expect him to do something like that. And then one of the things that's tough too, uh, governor is watching our kids fail. And I know a lot of times, uh, you know, failing sometimes can be a lot more beneficial than winning. So it's, it's tough to navigate them through the failures, but uh, it is beneficial in the long run. Well, it really is. And again, high expectations, certainly support folks. You talk about succeeding um, or, or being knocked down. One of my favorite coaches, actually his autobiography, I got a kick out of is up at the Reagan Ranch uh, because his widow, uh, Mrs. Uh, Lombardi, uh, gave Ronald Reagan that book after he helped out with a charity event they had for uh, to fight cancer, which is what ultimately took Coach Lombardi. Uh, but Coach Lombardi at the end, you know, well, well known for his success. I'm a, obviously a Green Bay Packers fan, talked a, a lot about his quotes about winning. Uh, but near the end of his life, when he was battling cancer, uh, one of the reporters asked him if, if his view of winning had changed. And he said his view of winning was simple. He said winning uh, in excellence is about getting up one more time than you've been, than you've been knocked down, which is why I encourage my kids to be in sports. 
not just because it's fun, but because it was a good way to learn uh, not only how to win, but how to lose and get back up on your feet again. Uh, it's okay to keep score. It's okay to, 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 to aim not only for, for excellence, but it's okay to sometimes lose uh, as long as you use that as a learning experience uh, and you get back up on your feet and you work that much harder, you get that more determined, and, and that's a key to, to life out there. One of the other neat things, I, I mentioned the Reagan Ranch. Uh, when I was up there the other day, we had had students uh, in for a day camp at the ranch. The next day, I, I came back with a, another group, and the, the guy driving the shuttle bus to me said, you know, hey, Governor, I just want you to know, I was really impressed with these these high school kids that are in your program. You know, they were they said thank you, and they were polite to each other, and, and they were really engaged, and they were they loved America, and they loved talking about it. And that's really what, you know, we talk about what I'm doing at YAF and why we're doing this thing called the long game is, is to start not just in college, but now in high school, uh, even in middle school, and even with elementary school kids, not only for the kids, but for the parents to give those moms and dads the tools. You know, you've got these project or these programs out there that are trying to tell people that, you know, America is awful and and yet, I meet people all the time who come from all over the world, particularly from places like Cuba or Venezuela, or some of the folks who've come from the old Soviet republics, and they love America. I mean, I, I hear them and their parents and grandparents, they talk about, you know, just loving this country. My, my brother's in-laws came from Mexico decades and decades ago, legally came to this country, and they're just so thankful for the opportunity they received and uh, in, in the freedoms that are available here. And we need to teach our young people about that and need to teach them not to take it for granted uh, because a lot of people are trying to tell them, uh, you know, somehow there's something wrong with America. We can always improve, no doubt about that, just like we can in our own lives. Uh, but we live in an exceptional country that gives opportunities that most would only dream of. And again, that's part of what we're pushing with this long game. Yeah, very well said, Governor. Again, the, the link for the YAF is in the description of today's podcast episode. What's next for you here? Uh, what's coming up for you? What kind of goals or plans do you have? Could we see you possibly running for office again here in the near future? Well, who knows? I'm a quarter century younger than Joe Biden, so he's lifted the bar in terms of age. I, I got plenty of time. Uh, my goal over the next few years is is it was when my kids were, were young and making sure they uh, they were raised well, and, and they're both in their mid-20s now, both successful, good jobs, good careers, uh, good opportunities. They're, they're good, decent young men. That that job never, never ends until the day you go back to meet with our Heavenly Father. But uh, uh, in the meantime, for the, at least the next four or five years, I'm particularly focused on helping young people, that next generation of young people, uh, really exceed and do well uh, and uh, exceed expectations and, and, and learn to love this great country. You know, I, I look back and I think my parents and particularly my grandparents uh, who made their way through the Great Depression, two world wars, all the things that were happening uh, during their lifetime, and, and they passed on to me and to my generation an America that was far greater than the one they inherited, even with all those challenges. And, and it's really incumbent upon me and my generation now to make sure that kids both our kids right now and those that are yet to be born inherit an America that's even greater than the one we got from our parents and grandparents. So I'll be doing that for the next few years. But who knows? Someday maybe I'll run again if, if there's the time and the need. Yeah, amen to that, Governor. hope you do. I'd love to see it. Uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? 
enjoy every moment. I, I love it when uh, not only dads, but parents-to-be in general say, you know, what age is the best? I had a, an aide years ago, and her husband asked me exactly that question uh, when they were having their first baby. And, and I said, uh, my favorite age is whatever they are. Uh, when they were newborns, and you cuddle them, you hold them. And, and, and even Matthew, our firstborn, who was colicky for the first three months, I look back now and just think, uh, how I cherish those moments as crazy as they were walking up and down the steps in our old duplex uh, trying to soothe them with his colic. It eventually all worked out. Uh, but I, my best advice is, is spend as much time as you can with your kids. Uh, my parents, my dad in particular, uh, did that for me. I tried to do that with my kids. Certainly want my kids someday to do it uh, with with uh, with children if they're blessed by God to have them. It, it's just Spend as much time. Don't wait until a certain age. Don't wait, oh, I'll wait till they're able to do things on their own. No, when they're babies, when they're toddlers, uh, when they're just getting into school, when they're saying amazing things, when they're in middle school, probably is going to be the most challenging because junior high, everybody's awkward. I don't care who you are. It's an awkward time. That's the time to really let them know how much you care for them, even if they may not show it back to you. And then as they go into high school and college, it's amazing. The older you get, the smarter you seem to them. You haven't changed. It's just their perspective has. Uh, but, uh, but by the time you know, they're grown, you'll wish you'd spent more time with them. So spend as much time as you can. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. i got to say, Governor Scott Walker, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. My pleasure. God be with you. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. i got to give a special thank you once again to Governor Scott Walker for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you lock it in. i got a lot more action coming your way on the podcast this week. Follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out all the upcoming guest announcements. That's all i got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.